Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Folks, thank you very, very much for tuning in to another episode of the Motown Rundown. The date today is the 17th of September, year of our Lord, 2020. Uh, today, we got a few things to unpack. Actually, some things related to three separate teams in Detroit, not just the Lions, not just the Pistons. We're going to be talking Tigers, Lions, and Pistons today. Uh, going to be a jam-packed episode. Today, we're going to be starting briefly here uh, with the Detroit Tigers, where Matthew wanted to give an update on the uh, accolade that a fellow team member received this week, or last week, rather. Yep, nothing to evaluate with the Tigers, um, just kind of facts as they uh, work toward the end of the season and as they kind of look toward fighting for uh, one of the wild card spots because we are definitely not winning the division. Um, but Candelario was the AL player of the week this week after hitting three home runs, bringing in nine runs, uh, hitting 423, 500, and 923. So a pretty good stat line for him over the past few weeks, or not past few weeks, just over the last week in general. Um, there's a lot to like about where the team's at right now, but I also know that a lot of these faces are just kind of coming and going. Right. Um, so it's kind of hard to read um, where we're actually at as a team, but a lot of the young guys are looking good. Um, a lot to like about them. 11 games left in the season. That is including tonight's game as we're recording against the Royals as we close out that two-game series. Um, First shutout of the year against the Royals uh, just, what, last night, 6 nothing. And funny enough, who was pitching? Matt Boyd. Yeah, go figure. So, just like we talked about, what, last week. Yeah, yeah. Casey Mize no-hit the Sox through six uh, and gets pulled after letting up, a, I believe, a walk and a base hit. And it kind of split people in half. People either were smart and understood it because he's losing control of his pitches when the catcher's setting up low and inside and he's throwing high and away. Uh, you know, at his age, his point in his career, like, I mean, you're not going to want to keep him out there. So admittedly, well, and especially as as in a season out, like this too, like don't, exactly. don't get cute right. with it. Just, yeah. he, he, he gets taken out and the Tigers bullpen, uh, as it always is, gets shelled and they lose. Um, so, you know, the Tigers playing meaningful baseball into September is, is pretty weird. You know, obviously given the circumstances, there's a bit of an asterisk, so it's kind of like whatever, but. Yeah, they're fun sometimes. They're either really fun or completely miserable, which is, I guess, in some sense of the word, um, an upgrade from last year. Well, and sometimes this isn't even just a baseball thing. Sometimes it's nice in sports. Like if you're gonna lose, just let's do it just with some get, pizzazz, just some razzle dazzle. Well, I'm saying oh, no, I gotcha. yeah, it's just the exact opposite. Where it's like, don't even. I mean, obviously, you want to be competitive, um, but we're talking about baseball. So in like a baseball season. Um, you can afford to have those nights where you're like, yep, just mail it in. We're playing a game because we have to play a game, rest up. Um, and then the next night, if you can win a game like 6-3 or something, obviously last night as we're recording this, um, one 6 nothing. so that was cool. Um, I, yeah, as we looked to... Go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a pretty bananas way to think, that, that ideology, because... And this is, I guess, kind of a good segue into what we want to talk about next, unless you had something else. With the Pistons this last year, it was kind of like, 
they were losing a lot of games, obviously. But the one thing that was consistent was their effort never really wavered. Like, even if the players weren't very good, they were trying, right? Like, there was a, there was a very clear-cut effort every single night. And my biggest thing was play bad. I'm sorry, play good for 46 minutes. I'm happy. Lose those last two, though. Like, that's really what matters to me. Show me that there's something here. And then ultimately, um, you know, stop figuring it out at the end and the pistons actually in a rebuild year, like brand yeah if you're obviously like um, trying to be a competitive team don't just always screw it up in the last two minutes um right but when you're working toward a future yeah just show that you can be competitive don't overdo it um and then again when you're in a situation like unfortunately a lot of the detroit teams are i don't want to say give it up at the end but yeah yeah, where well, you're just kind of in limbo. Like, I mean, you know, you saw some decent progress from a lot of guys last year. Bruce uh, was was a lot more competent offensively, where if he's taking the ball to the rim, you're not really all that mad about it. If he's taking a three, as long as it's from the corner, you're not really that mad about it. Uh, Svi showed us that, like, he can put the ball on the floor. He's pretty quick. He's great with his backdoor cuts. Um, like, he's an actual, he's a really interesting offensive weapon that it's, like, hilarious that the Lakers gave up Reggie Bullock in a second round pick for like 20 games of of or of Svee in a second round pick for like 20 games of Reggie Bullock. It's like they could really use him right now. It's pretty funny that he's not there. I don't know if I've made that point maybe in like two episodes ago. I think I may have. But um, so, yeah, as the Pistons uh, uh, move into this, try, try to navigate this rebuild, we do officially have a draft date locked in. Was it November 22nd, I think? November 18th? It's sometime in November. Oh, I think it moved like exactly a month. It went from like October 16th yeah. to November 17th or something like and that. And it's like, okay, whatever. I'm just glad that we finally, you know, set in stone. We can look towards the towards November. It kind of bummed me out because it was like, I didn't realize that we were only a month away from that. Um, and now there are some reports kind of coming out that uh, that the Pistons are, are interested in shopping their picks, seeing what they can do with it. Uh, some people want to move up to two, trade with Golden State. Some people want to fall back into the draft, try to acquire more assets. Uh, some people are fine with staying at seven. And we, we sort of covered this in the pilot episode. Um, Dwayne Casey took the podium today, had a few interesting things to say. The one thing is that now, ever since Troy Weaver has been uh hired as the pistons general manager we're not calling it a rebuild anymore where ed stefanski was explicitly calling it a rebuild like a dozen times um before troy weaver was brought in and so it's weird to me now it's like okay are we just trying to rebrand it like as james edwards pointed out um you know they don't want to you know say it's a rebuild because that can deter fans from coming to the game because it's like oh it's a bad product um, so that's, that's entirely plausible. That was a really good point, but it worries me that we're going to revert back to what we've been doing for the better part of a decade, sort of rebuilding on the fly, uh, retooling and, and trying to make a run at it every single year, just trying to develop these guys as we move along. And it's been proven that that doesn't work. Um, outside so of Pistons, just our own franchise too. Like it just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the Pistons, uh, they're having some individual workouts right now. Next week, they're going to have some group workouts. They have about 15 guys, Dwayne Casey said. Uh, Blake's not participating. Derek's not participating. No reason to. It's, you know, it's not really a surprise. Uh, they are 100% healthy, he said. Um, also, uh, impending free agents like Christian Wood and Langston also not participating. So to me, it was like, I can't think of the 15 guys. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really going to try to name them here, but it's like you have Luke, Seku, Kyrie Thomas, Jordan Bone, uh, Lewis King. 
is in there. Justin Patton's in there. Like you probably just have a lot of these G League guys too, um, just throwing them in there and see what's going on. I think to me, um, the most interesting things that that Casey said one, like you mentioned before we started recording, that this is going to be like a defensive minded team, which is really nice to see. Yeah. And if it is that defensive minded team, uh, I think the one thing that like every single team that we're seeing in the playoffs this year, like the ones that are really good. They all have something in common. It's an enforcer. Like it's that dog. It's that guy that you can look to and he's going to protect your best player. Like with the Clippers, it was Patrick Beverly. And I know to even bring up him in Montrose Hill right now after what happened against the Nuggets is is blasphemous. But like it remains true that those are still their guys, right? Um, the Lakers got a few of them. I'd say Markeith. I'd say even JaVale. Uh, and the most important one is in Boston right now with Marcus Smart. So is Bruce Brown going to be that for Detroit? I mean, defensively, he's our best on-ball defender, right? So it, it makes complete sense. Um, the other thing is that Dwayne Casey said the competition right now between Thon Maker and Justin Patton right now is really intense, and that is really interesting to me. But I also wonder how much that really says. Yeah, like it's kind of, yeah. Because, I mean, this might sound harsh, you can rephrase it if it is, um, because I hope that I at least get the proper point across. Um, that really with any team in any sport, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And I hate to pinpoint Thon in that case. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of like, are we upgrading? I don't want to say our anchor, because that actually carries a much different meaning in basketball. Um, but where is he viewing Thon? in the grand scheme of this roster? Where would he be viewing Justin Patton in the grand scheme of this roster? Competition is competition at some point. So you like the team being competitive. You like them getting after it and in a sense, wanting it. Um, it, I guess it just, it remains to be seen. That's definitely a matchup that we we want to see it. Yeah. It doesn't make me feel great about Justin Patton. If the competition, exactly. In an ideal world, I'm looking at this and I'm like, Oh, like, well, yes, obviously, Christian. Well, of course, yeah. And and I should also add, because um, I know people have been worried about it, Christian and Langston not participating in this has nothing to do with what Detroit's decision will be. There's been some people worried about that. It's just not how – no. It's like, just they're, I promise they're like, going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure – like, Christian will be back. Langston, I don't know for certain. I know his plan uh, is to come back, but that remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, with Justin Patton, it's like, I don't know if he's competing with Thon Maker and it's close. I'm not, I'm a little bit worried in that case. It's like, maybe we should draft Okongawu. So, or, or, or like, maybe we like, I mean, if Harry Giles is going to be in Detroit next year, which by my best approximation, he will. And I, at this point, I just like, you want to talk about an off season agenda. I've said it so much at this point that I'm just like, when it happens, I'm going to be like, yeah. I'm not even going to be excited because I'm just like, yeah, I've been saying this is going to happen for like six months. He's going to leave Sacramento. They can't pay him anything, even if they wanted to. They're not allowed to. Um, Detroit has a lot of money. I'd rather not pay Fred Van Vliet $22 million. What are we talking about? You got to give it. If you're drafting a point guard, I don't think it's that difficult. Right? Like the decision? Yes. To, yeah, no, I agree. Which is a good transition. Talk about 
which you, you talk about drafting a point guard. Let's talk about trading for one. Because a lot of people recently, and this was sparked by Duncan Smith, and a lot of people were mad at him, but he's right. The possibility of trading Blake Griffin for Russell Westbrook is there. And in terms of what the package would look like, because that's not like a one-for-one thing, you know, in that scenario, like, who has to give more, right? Like, it's because even if Houston wanted to, they can't. They gave four picks up to get him. So they, they can't do anything right now. And Detroit's not, if they're like, oh, we have to give up. No. This is a genuine question. Aside from the injury standpoint, because obviously Blake has dealt with that much more than we would like and much more than if Houston were to require him or acquire him more than they would like, is Blake more valuable to us? Like he is everything in the world, but from a pure NBA standpoint, I would have to assume that he is just more valuable to another franchise too. Given what he did in Detroit, taking LA out, like out of it because his game evolved to a level that literally nobody thought it was going to. Yeah. Um, At an age and a point in his career where people didn't think it was possible. And that to revive his career or continue his career, it had to happen and it did happen. So. Yeah. I I, I feel like it's obvious. Like we know that most teams are going to want Blake more than Russ. Yes. But for someone like. Um, well, I don't know though, be, uh, and I don't even think it's from a basketball standpoint though, because if you want to talk pure basketball, I think people might maybe want Russell Westbrook more. But f- personally, I think it's Blake. Contractually though, and and I guess even with Blake, you're also looking at injuries. Like, there's a lot that comes with it. So if you're saying Russ, like it's not purely a basketball decision. It's like I'm worried Blake won't stay healthy for all the money that we're paying him. So there's a lot that goes into it, right? But. Sure. My thing is, like, Russell Westbrook thrives in small market situations when he's allowed to be Russell Westbrook and he's allowed to be the guy. And if he doesn't want to shoot three-pointers anymore, that's that's fine with me. Um, you shoot 40%, 20% from three, 50% from the line against the Lakers. You have a true shooting percentage of, like, 46. And I know you hate true shooting yep. percentage. I gave you a shout-out on the broadcast last night. Um, mad that I said, I said, my brother despises true shooting percentage. If you bring it up, he'll disregard what you're saying. Um, well, that's not a shout out. It's just, it's well, I was just like, Hey, but sure. Sure. I still brother exists. I didn't have to say that. Yeah. (laughs) You just be appreciative. Um, so it's like, he can be really good for Detroit and he's going to, you know, he's going to sell some tickets. I prefer Blake because he makes his teammates, if not marginally vastly better. It felt like. And he's just more of a coach on the floor. And I don't get that sense at all ever from R- Russell Westbrook. Um, when you, I just want like a better leader. And I just feel like that's going to be Blake in Detroit. And people always talk about, well, once we get his money off the books, it's not hurting us at all right now. No. Like I'll, I'll hundred percent agree. It is a big contract. It's huge. The Pistons have like the a top three, most open cap this summer or well, this fall, this off season. And it's only going to go up as the seasons move on. And because I hate, he's the only one that's under contract. What are we talking about? It's obviously, fine. when we've experienced something like the Josh Smith situation, um, yeah. we're going to be a little bit skeptical about like really any contract. Um, and then, given the Stafford situation too, this isn't like a transition. It's just to bring up another contract. 
half of the Detroit Lions fans, the same ones that don't like Stafford, were very upset that we signed rid of the contract that we did. Um, whereas the other half, myself included, was like, great. That's what he deserves, every penny. And Right. And the way sports works too, not always, but typically, like this is just how it works, the cap goes up every year. That's, mm-hmm. It's not like a guarantee. And I know that's it's not as simple as like, oh, it's a new year, so the cap goes up. That's not how it works. But given the way like the leagues have been trending um, and given how really sports contracts work, what you sign for when you sign for it is not the same as what it's going to be a few years down the road. Right. Um, so contracts evolve. They aren't always what they seem. Stafford's now like, I'm going to be wrong on this, but he's like 10th or 11th or something on the quarterback list. Yeah. It, like he, like he fell it, down it's a one lot. of those things. Someone signs, and I feel like it happens more in the NFL. Someone signs the the highest contract in the history of the NFL. Yeah. The clock starts ticking immediately on when that's going to be topped. Right. You're not, you're, you don't hold that spot for more than 365 days. No. But the only thing I'll say to, to what you're saying is that the cap isn't going to be going up for the next few years. No, no. And I agree the, with that. But then with the Blake thing, like any team in any league, you're going to have to pay talent. That's just yes. how it works. So like for us, Blake is going to have the biggest contract. I understand yeah. that it's not always like, oh, give him the most and then we'll figure out the rest. Um, you do want to make sure that they're earning their contract. Blake deserves what he's getting. I'm I'm completely yeah, unfazed I, by that. I mean, you're also, if you want Russ and you're complaining about Blake's contract, Russ <laughs> makes more than him. Yeah, He's going to be getting paid like $52 million here in a few years. And anytime I think of anyone getting over fifty million, I think of the potential of Rudy Gobert signing a Supermax, where by like twenty twenty five, he's making sixty three million dollars a year, yeah. which right now won't really happen because again the cap is 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 all is we it's I mean it's uncertain. Um, so yeah, to the people who want Blake for Russ, um, stop. You know, I th- I think that would stunt the growth of whoever we bring in. Like, I don't want Killian Hayes trying to be Russell Westbrook. Like, that's not what I want. I, I If it's Derrick Rose, I'm fine with that. Right. Like, that's a better teacher. That's kind of what you're almost looking at here is, yeah. is who do you want to be your teacher? If I'm drafting Killian Hayes. um, Yeah, I'd probably say. And it's like I also I don't know. It, it's It's just doesn't make sense to me. So let me just be perfectly clear here. Um, or let me just see where you are. You're out on it as well. Out on that trade? Yes. Yeah, no, I don't want that. I remember like a year okay. ago, there were talks of Yeah, it came up, yeah. Bringing in Russ, and everyone was like, yeah, do it. Um, and well, that's... Well, sure, let me just say... Every, like, it, you woke up one day, and you felt a certain way, and then you woke up the next day, and you felt the opposite way about it. That's how it was going. Kind of, yeah. I mean, like, it was fun to think about, like, oh, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. Keep in mind, too, me getting any sort of excited about having Russell Westbrook on the Pistons is like ticket sales, swagger, and basically not cap. I'm not thinking about the financial repercussions of bringing him in and just from like a talent standpoint, but it is just probably what you should be thinking about first. Right. But from a pure fan standpoint, sometimes it is just fun to have people on your team that you can enjoy watching. Yes. Russ can be like frustrating, but there is something to be said too about just having a name attached to your team like Russell Westbrook. Yeah, and and people are 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 too quickly forgetting, and also just being way too hard on him. Like, first of all, the 
post-January Russell Westbrook that we saw when he finally decided that he's bad at shooting three-pointers and that he just shouldn't take them anymore was arguably the best iteration of Westbrook that we've ever seen, period, flat out, ever. He was an, he was exceptional. Um, And then he kind of flared out at the end of the year. But then people are also forgetting he comes into the bubble with COVID, so he's out, and then he gets injured. Like, the dude's not even at 80%. Like, I don't care how bad he was against the Lakers. Like, you get a little bit of a pass. James Harden doesn't. But Russell Westbrook, like, he gets a little bit of one. I think people are just... It's it's sort of like the you know prisoner of the moment. You're not taking circumstances into account. Like yeah, he was bad, but like let's you know let's focus on how bad the Clippers were right now. Let's get off of Russell Westbrook a little bit. And it's honestly a tragedy that this is a Detroit sports podcast because I'd love to rip into the Clippers for what happened. Well, and part um, of me, like if I'm being completely honest, I was just thinking about like how did we get into this deep Houston Rockets discussion. Uh, Russell Westbrook. I know. And it, that wasn't a complaint. I was just like, man, we've really gone away from like the point of this podcast. Yeah. I don't want to, I just don't want, I just don't want people to think I'm slandering him. Um, so we'll move on now. We're about probably about halfway through the show. Um, something happened on Sunday. Um, a football game was played. Matthew, this is a good time to start our first ever segment called, uh, how hard can it be? Yeah. Matthew, how hard can it be? Uh, to catch a football. Uh, well, I was about to say no comment. Uh, it could be pretty difficult from what I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say. So in the pre- press conference today with Stafford, um, the question came up like, yeah, run that play again. Nothing changes except for you have the ball and you have another chance to throw this. Are you making the same pass? Are you still throwing to DeAndre Swift? In the future, outside of just that game, will you continue to throw the ball to DeAndre Swift? Don't remember who asked the question, so I apologize if you're listening to this and you asked that question. Um, <laughs> he cut them off and was like, 100%. Yeah, I'm throwing he said it like 100 time. times out of 100. Yeah. Yep. He was very confident. Um, and if you, I'm not worried about DeAndre Swift at all. No. People forget he got in the end zone, uh, he looked good for the day. The thing that I've been seeing, the way it's been framed, that I actually, it's spot on. That game is going to be defined by that drop. It's not the reason we lost. Yeah, and right now he is too. But that's the thing. is like, that game, defined by that play. Do not let that play define you going forward. Make people forget about it. I'm being super optimistic when I say this. But a lot of the time, for players... In his situation where like he is meant to be a really big piece of Detroit's future on offense, um, you kind of look back on those things and you're like, that's what kicked it off. Kobe, you think about his very first game in a Lakers uniform, terrible. Like so many air balls, um, just a bad game overall. Um, sticking with football, Bill Belichick was terrible in his first few seasons as a head coach. Um I don't want to say the same for Patricia, maybe that, you know, like, oh, you got to start your career off bad and then you learn. Okay. I'm hoping, I'm All hoping right. that with DeAndre Swift, like he can really take something from this um, and take some like really big strides in the next coming weeks. And I think having someone like Adrian Peterson in the room right now is going big to do praise. Yeah. After that game, mm-hmm. going to do for, him for Swift wonders. Um, yeah. I mean, just sticking with Adrian Peterson too. 
pretty sensational uh, introduction. Oh my for gosh! You want to talk about highlights of that game? Three come into mind. One, everything <clears throat> that Adrian Peterson did every time he touched the ball. I think it was his. It was after the first run. He goes for like 19 or something and he gets up. He's like pounding his chest. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, like Adrian Peterson is excited and yeah. he's a lion. Mm-hmm. And then he just keeps doing it. And I haven't seen yet. I wanted him to get that century mark so bad. He was so close to hundred yards. It would have been, it yeah. would have been special. That's number one. Number two is the Stafford third down throw in between two defenders down the middle of the field three to Dammy. Oh, was it three to Danny? Well, let me rephrase that. There was one like a couple yards in front of him that he had to just get it by before he could get over right. and like get a hand on it. And then there were two kind of sandwiched him, right. him and Dole. Yeah. Uh, and then the third was was the Marvin Jones first catch of the year, run after catch, trucks the rookie. Don't remember his name. Uh, Jalen Johnson, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it was very, <clears throat> very, very Golden Tate esque. I mean, it was it was something special. Really, really good stuff. Um, obviously, you know, I I'm not gonna I'm. You know what? It's really difficult to give all my energy to them. It was a matter of, uh, you know, we we go into every single year and, and we the same thing is always said. They always find a new way to lose and it's miraculous. You always find a way to blame it on someone else or something else. And usually it's the officials. But and usually it's it's there's merit to it. Yeah. Right. It's true. We're not just being those fans. But you never think somehow that it's going to be your own players. Whether it's Jamie Collins headbutting the ref, yep. Whether it's uh, and I I want to I want to get your opinion on something, or whether it's DeAndre <clears throat> Swift dropping the ball. People were really mad at Patricia, in I believe the fourth quarter. Prater kicks the fifty-five yep. yarder. Okay, if that happens, it's let's assume, and it wouldn't have happened, but let's assume, you go into that final drive. Bears score. It's twenty-six, twenty-seven lot less pressure on Stafford to get into the end zone. But people were furious at Patricia for not in that field goal situation, just punting, trying to pin them, if nothing else, on the 20-yard line, making them go 80 yards. Give me your thoughts there. Did you think that was the right call? Because I didn't have a problem with the field goal. It's Prater. That's what he does. the field goal 100 times out of 100. Yes. Matt Prater, people, I'm not going to fight people when they say that Justin Tucker is the best kicker in the NFL. I'm taking Prater... Every single time. Yeah. He has the strongest leg in the NFL. He's mm-hmm. getting up there in age. He's, he hasn't lost a step or anything. I'm not worried about that. Maybe I don't want to say that this is a sign of things to come because I really don't think it is. Um, no, he nailed his first two. 55 yards is not out of question for Matt Prater, especially in a dome at home. Yeah. Um, like you said, it would have made it 26. No, it wouldn't have made it 26-27. That would have made it 26 20, I believe. I no. Believe. The final Doesn't score matter. was 23-27. We were up 23-6. to six. So would that have made it 26-6 to six at that point? Yes. Okay. That would have given us 26 points. Um, I, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. It's unfortunate that he missed it. He dinged it. Like, it had... The distance that wasn't a yeah, question at all, and it's 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 a, like I get why people are mad. I one hundred percent get Hindsight. it, but I think if he if he makes the field goal, what are we talking about? This isn't coming up. And what I'll say about Patricia, man, the end of the game, like, well, could you have made any better calls in the fourth quarter? And he's like, I actually had one of the greatest calls in the fourth quarter in the history of the NFL, and it took me like, what is he talking? About? 
I'm like, there's no way he's talking about the Malcolm Butler interception. Yep. There's no way. And I read the replies and I got the affirmation that I needed. And I'm like, this guy is a, I, I'm baffled by that answer. Yeah. Like how, and he like cut him off and was like rude about it. And it was like, actually I won a Super Bowl three years ago, four years ago. So, uh, no, I can't be an idiot. Rest assured you can. Yeah. Um, we're at a, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. Um, the Stafford interception, you know, whatever. Hold on. To your point about Matt Patricia, pretty much agree with everything that you said. Like, you can't say that. You weren't no. on the field. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't like become you Malcolm didn't Butler. The route. Yeah. Like, shut up. As much as I try to defend Matt Patricia as like, I'll just say like a diehard Lions fan. That's my team. And I'm trying to be optimistic and stuff. Don't ever say that again. You have gotten no. so much hate for the way that you handle those moments and you screwed it up again. So please have some self-control. Don't be so delusional that you think that you were on the field making that interception at the end of the game. You didn't do that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, so that's that. To the Matthew Stafford thing, and this is going to tie into the offense as a whole. So I don't know what you planned on transitioning to. Let's just talk about the offense as a whole. It looked weird. And that is really like the best word for it or the best one that I can come up with. Having Stafford be in the gun as often as he was didn't really bother me. A little bit different than what we're used to. Not a bad thing by any means. But having him take the snap and roll out to make a play. Oh, gross. He has not. I mean, it's not that he's incapable gross. of doing that. That's not what he does. Yes. He has the arm talent to do that. Not even close to the issue. We didn't do that last year. Our offense looked good last year with him under center. And you saw in moments, obviously like primarily on our scoring drives, when you just give him a pocket, you run, I'll just call them standard routes for him or the, for this offense, and you just let him throw the football, we look so much better. I don't hate the idea of us being like a run first offense and then letting Stafford just shred the defense. Um, but when you have someone like him too, that's so talented and you have um, this perfect blend of him with Bevel's offense that I'm not even considering that first game to be Bevel's offense because that was very weird. Um, pass first, let Stafford throw 35 times a game, run it 20, however many offensive plays you get to run, um, 20, 25, and just let the run accent what you're doing. It just seemed like there were so many times we, we ran the ball just for the sake of running the ball. We got so overly conservative and Stafford just got put in these situations where he has to force throws, force making plays, which is what he yeah. always gets thrust into by our defense letting up so many plays and then having to do more than you're supposed to. Um, and that interception was very much a result of like, okay, well, we're kind of screwed. We need a big play. It's third and whatever. You just had to throw it in there. Um, it wasn't a great play. Um, and I'm not saying like he doesn't deserve any blame for like throwing a pick, throwing an interception. Granted, it got thrown 800 yards into the air after someone made contact with it and then it was caught as opposed to just missing your guy. So there's another reason why you can't just put it all on him. <clears throat> but um, for some stats that I put down here, we threw for 297 yards. I believe that was sixth in week one of all NFL teams. So we threw the ball decently well. Yeah. What's unfortunate is he probably could have thrown for like 350 or so had we just let him do his thing. We got so conservative once we got our lead that, again, it was just these quick drives. Like clockwork, <clears throat> man. 
yeah, just um, just weird, I guess. And then we relied on that last drive for him to um, put on more toward that 300-yard mark. Um, only completed 57% of his passes. Uh, again, listening to him today, he wasn't happy about that. He said that it was a little bit weird for him to get going in the game. And you could tell, like, both offenses looked really bad for a while. And specifically— Well, there's like, a reason <clears throat> for that with Chicago. <clears throat> and that's fair. Um, but again, 57% of his passes were completed. That's, I'm not even close to worried about that as the season rolls on. I know that's going to get better. Um, just some weird week one things with not having Galladay offense being not a regular offense, unless they planned on changing things this season, but whatever. Um, good news here, uh, that the big play isn't going away for us. Uh, we had five pass plays that went for 20 or more yards, which was tied for the most in the NFL. Or mm. I'll just give us the credit and say the most. Yeah. Um, sure. So we're able to move the ball through the air. Not a surprise. Just kind of, I don't know, par for the course on that. Um, run game, like outside of just like passing stats, rushing stats, our offensive line did good. Yeah. I was a little bit concerned about that going into the game. Um, I don't remember if I talked about that on the podcast or in my pregame jitters video. Um but we had two, I don't want to say new faces on the offensive line, but Jonah Jackson, rookie right guard, um, held his own. I think we only let up one sack, so that was good. Yeah, and it was late in good the game. Defense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, that was the sack that led to the field goal being a 55-yarder. I believe you So right. <clears throat> throwing an incomplete, plat, incomplete pass, I'm, that wasn't a situation to run the ball, but hindsight, run the ball, run off more clock, and then let him kick the field goal. Um I don't want to say more makeable because Prater, I'm not worried about it 55 yards, but regardless, shout out to the offensive line. Um, We ran the ball 29 times, gained 138 yards. Again, Swift got into the end zone. Good day for the offense. What about 90 of those were AP though? So yes, 93, I believe. Um, There you go. So he does get the majority of the credit there still counts. I mean, you got a guy running the ball for, I think less than 20 times. Um, still got yeah. up 93 yards and just looked good. It wasn't like a fluky kind of thing. Like he just looked good. Um, and then from a first down standpoint, 14 of them came from passing game, seven from the rushing uh, run game. Both of those are pretty average compared to the rest of the league. So take it with a grain of salt. At the end of the day, you didn't win. Injuries were yeah, a big cause of that. Prepared <clears throat> Preparedness, big part of that. Execution, not good. The coaches did take a lot of the blame for that. Um, but... Just across the board, little to be excited about going into week two against the Packers. Yeah. um, My thing is watching Mitch, um, there's (laughs) something about it that is so, I I guess, just mesmerizing with how atrocious he is at times. And and we can only say so much because we make him look like Joe Montana every time we play. But there's something like, just from the days like when we used to play quarterback, like there are some things that I remember he's like throwing off his back foot when he should be transferring energy to the front or he's literally resting on his front foot and just throwing off of that. His left foot is never in line with where he's trying to throw the ball. Like there are so many things where, and he can't throw across his body. Mitch is like an anomaly. Like, how do you still have a – it's because games like this where it's like oh, – because in the fourth quarter, I'm not – he was great. Like, he was great in the fourth quarter. But he has these games where the Bears are like, oh, wait, okay, he can still do it. He can't. 
I, I promise you he can't. Like, it, you get a handful of these games a year, and otherwise, he's John Kitna. Like, he's he is terrible, and it's infuriating. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. And I, at the end of the day, I'm, I wasn't surprised. Um, I will say watching us, like we could lose the next 100 games. And you know, the only way I'd be okay with that is if in all 100 of them, we wore the all blue uniforms. I'd live with it. Yeah. Because, because those are like a top two uniform in Detroit if, if they're not number one. I would hope the only correct answer for number one is just the Red Wings. Exactly. Okay. And that's, that's the debate where it's like, if you say that, that's okay. I'm not mad at you. You're probably, you might be right, but give credit where credit's due. Those all blues are special. I'm not disagreeing, but I will say my favorite Lions uniform is just the away. Just silver helmet, white Jersey, silver pants, blue pants. Love those. I do like those. Yeah. I love, I love the blue pants. I'm, if we wear them against Green Bay, I'll be happy. The blue on blue or the blue pants? Because last blue year, pants. last year we wore our home uniforms on the road, which was the first time right. we've ever worn blue in Lambeau. Um, and I would just we'll just take this as a transition to our week two matchup. Um, we, if, if you guys don't remember, we led for 120 minutes out of 120 minutes last year. Yet we finished. 0-2 against the team last year. Um, so good news is there's hope that like we can do it again. We can go 120 okay. minutes for 120 but, minutes having the lead against the Packers. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but it's the same thing. Like people kept pointing this out and they were, they were right. Week one this year was a one-to-one parallel to the Cardinals game last year. Aside from one, where I mean, the one, one went in our, one. yeah. We're, aside from where the well, one went in our record. That's it. Last oh, year was, was a tie. This <laughs> did you think that we lost last year? No, I'm saying when I say one to one, I mean comparison wise. I don't mean record wise. Right, and I'm saying the only difference is that we lost versus tied. I agree oh, with everything I you're saying. I thought you were saying the only difference is where the one went in the record. And I was it like, that was, was literally just a joke off of what you were saying. Oh, so it was a joke. Yeah, boo! Yeah. I didn't like that. Weird. Um, but uh, uh, with the Packers this week, I don't really know. I, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you here. I, what what do you want to say here? There's no chance. <laughs> you can. La- I'm not kidding. I'm only laughing because I don't have enough ammunition to convince you otherwise. This schedule is the fifth hardest in the NFL, and we have a legitimate start or chance of starting 0 and 4. Going into the bye, we could be 0-4. Yeah, so... And I feel good against Arizona. I feel uh, okay. That's probably... Because I felt good against Chicago, and now I don't know what to feel. But Green Bay... Oh, so that's the thing. Yeah, like, as much as it's delusion, and as much as it is just... I'm not going to say same old Lions like it's actually coming out of my mouth. I'm referring to that phrase that other Lions fans use because other fans are more upset. Um, uh, You start every season, and you're like... Super Bowl, guaranteed. Put all your money, all your life savings oh, on the Lions going to the Super Bowl. Every single yeah. year. Uh, that happened to me again this year. It could still and, happen. But, yeah. um, I mean, the amount of deflated that I felt after this week, like you said with it being the exact same as what happened against Arizona last year, 
I felt so good for 99% of that game. I was yeah. I was riding high. I was like, this team looks good. Darryl you Bevel had a few is... seltzers, to be fair. This year? Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, I don't know if... I don't remember what happened last year. Um, yeah, you're, you're okay. I mean, that doesn't have anything to do with it, though. Gotcha. Seltzers aside. Um, I the just 12 where I put down, doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't factor into it. This team, no, I get what you mean, though. Offense looked good. Um, kind of both seasons. I, like, I would say I wasn't enthusiastic about this year's offense the way I was last year, or as enthusiastic. Um, but there was still a lot to like. And if you could play as poorly as we did to still go up, 23 to 6 at the yeah, point that we you did. you start the second half, I mean, on fire. Yes. I mean, you start the se- and it's like, oh my gosh. Like, once like, we figured it out, like, yeah, this we score is not good. it out. Yeah. 100%. Again, and, and, and you can't cool, like, where Stafford stands, I think, you can't let him cool you put off. put it delicately. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if he is that hot and you only have 23 points on the board, don't take the gas or the, the foot off the gas. What, what do people say? Take your foot off the gas? Don't do that. Pedal to the metal. I said, what did I say? So my original guess was 38-13. We were heading on that collision course. But my actual prediction was 23-17. I'm looking at the score, and I see like 23-17. to 17, Or I don't remember what the score was. But it was like close. It was like 23-16. I don't remember what. Yeah, no, 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 no. At, at like like it like halfway through the or not halfway through the game but like halfway through the fourth while quarter. the bears were coming back yeah. yeah 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 and i'm like i'm looking at it like there's not enough time <laughs> we're gonna be fine like there's there's not enough time for them to do this um love having no pass rush again uh well, love what's frustrating having is like what hold on let me ask you this yeah jared davis what where is he what do you mean where is he what's he doing can he do? He didn't do anything. I will not pin it on I d- him. I'm thinking about it now. I didn't hear his name once. I mean, to, to be fair, like there was nothing that stood out on the defense. Like I'm not going to give anybody. Credit okay, for that's playing. true. Okay, yeah. that's fair. That's so like fair. it's because if I'm being completely honest, there were a lot of times where I was actually like, oh, Jared's like getting to the ball because if you don't remember or if you do remember, we didn't resign him this offseason. We like didn't right. extend his contract or anything. Um. So he's playing for a contract for somebody. Um, I, I'm i in a really weird spot because I'd be more than happy to bring him back if he can prove that he's worth it. And week one, I don't think he did anything to not deserve a contract. Um, but I don't... Same old he didn't, Jared. Didn't do anything to like earn it either. Um, and what's weird about like our the guys in the box, I'll just say, um, and getting pressure on Trubisky... There were times where, like, the pocket was closing in on him, and Mitch just did a good job of stepping into it and making a throw. Not every time. I know there are plenty of throws that he made that were terrible. But at the end of the day, you only sacked him once. The pressure, like, even if the pocket yeah. collapses a little bit, that's just, objectively speaking, not enough. So yeah. you actually have to, like, get to the quarterback. Um, Corey Underland Which has- caused a fumble. I want to add that. Yep. It did cause a fumble. And, and imagine if you jump on that. Right. Um, Corey Underland has mentioned that, um, it start in terms of, um, pressuring the quarterback, it starts with coverage in his, in his mind. Um, I think there are plenty of ways that you can take how you pressure the quarterback. You can say like, nope, it starts with the front four, starts with the front seven. 
uh, starts with the DBs, whatever you want to do it, as long as you have um, the right tools in place to get to the quarterback, however you want to go about it, I'm sure you can probably figure it out as long as you do it properly. For him, he thinks it starts with pass coverage. When you lose, literally everybody yeah. on the DB side of things, what more can you do? That's not at all an excuse. You have to step up in those situations. They did not. And unfortunately, from the first practice report that was released today, I'll start with good news. Jeff Okuda was a full full go today. Yeah. That was really good. Uh, unfortunately, Desmond Trufant did not play at all or did not practice at all, and neither did Daryl Roberts. We did just sign, I think his name is Chris Jones. It's escaping me right now. From I a practice squad. From Arizona, but yes. Yeah. yeah, we brought him. He did play with us last year too, so he's at least going to be mostly familiar with us. Um, but I mean, when you're down in a situation like this, we're going to, I, I'm not going to say blessing in disguise because we don't want to be in this situation. At least going into week two though, if we know we're going to be going like three safeties all day with Will Harris, Tracy Walker, who please play him. I don't understand yes. why he's like, what are we doing? Don't get cute with it. Just put him out there. Yeah. And then Deron Harmon, if we go into week two against the Packers, knowing like we're going three safeties all day. I think that service better than uh, getting thrust into it and having to adjust your game plan when you're just getting screwed with corner injuries. Yeah, so uh, we're going to wrap this up. I got I got a, a question for you before we do our closing thoughts and, and subsequent uh, score predictions for week two. Um, let me ask you this. So as a Pistons fan, um, I'm willing to call it like I see it at any given moment. The Pistons are a bad basketball team right now. They were last season, and a lot of it had to do with injuries, but ultimately they weren't good. And I will say that all the time to anybody who asks. But you have this weird blind sense, you're smiling, this weird blind sense of optimism, and at no turn will you be like, there is nothing that this team can do. They are poorly coached poorly disciplined there's nothing they can do like at what point are you just going to be like they're they suck who cares it's always going not always having stafford always gives me like an extra level of like something could happen yeah uh injuries don't and make it, me let's I, let's make it clear it did for all intents and purposes he did make it happen again again yeah like i'm not even i'm we talked about it last week. We've only completed one game. There are 15 more to go. I'm not going to go on some crazy Stafford tangent. But this moment is going to come up every week where I have to hold myself back. If we have Stafford for a game, I am going to be optimistic. Not always competent, optimistic. Injuries don't make me feel good. But especially listening to the players and the coaches talk over the past few days about week one and transitioning to week two, it wasn't them just saying you got to play better. Yeah. Because a lot of the time when they say like, you just got to play better, like you got to execute and stuff. They're actually not owning up to it. They're not saying like, Oh, we did this wrong. We did this wrong. We did this wrong. And now we're going to do this, this, this in short, they were basically just saying like, yeah, like we looked at the film, we realized what we did wrong. Um, and they're, they're just talking about it differently than you might expect in this situation, which does give me a little bit of hope. Uh, they're optimistic, 
They're ready for week two, but they're not throwing in the towel already, which I guess is a good sign. Stafford makes me feel good about week two. Adrian Peterson makes me feel our offense. I'm not worried about. I yeah, don't I love. Agree with that. I don't love the possibility of not having Kenny Galladay for two weeks in a row. Uh, Quintez Cephas didn't have the greatest of games, but also did play decently well for how um, much we really threw him in there for his first ever NFL game. T.J. Hawkinson. Marvin Hall had a big grab in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. T.J. Hawkinson again looked good uh, to, yeah. to start the season off. Not really a surprise, but just reassuring. As long as the offense can do what we know they're capable of and Daryl Bevel doesn't screw it up, which I don't think he will, it's really just going to be on the defense. And the defense has yeah. always, always, always been the concern. Special teams I'm not worried about either. Shout out to Jack Fox for being the greatest punter of all time. Shout out to Prater for continuing to be good aside from that missed field goal that I'm not pinning completely on you. I'm optimistic. And it's it's literally only week two, so that optimism isn't going to change. But there are obviously way more question marks around this team than maybe we had hoped going into week one. Yeah, still not quite what I wanted to hear. I just wanted you to hear to say something to the effect of like, yeah, no, I'm there. I'm, cl- I'm close to being there by week three at this rate, like by the bye week. I don't no. care about circumstances. Yeah. So plain, there's there's, there's got to be a point where you're like, I'm throwing in the towel, and we love Stafford the same amount. You don't have to explain it. I get it. You do. There, I just, has, there are other people that listen to this. You're, well, you're right. But by the bye week, week five, if it, I don't care about circumstances. If you are 0-4, you have to – I don't care. I'm done. I don't want to watch these games anymore. So there have been talks of this year being another buffer for Patricia and Quinn because of the circumstances. Oh, I would like to think it's still do or die. There have been talks about that, though. We will see. If we are 0-4 by the bye week, I promise you I will be singing to a different tune than I am right now. Great. All I need to hear. Starting the season off with two NFC North matchups against a team we should have destroyed, now playing against a team that last year, I still think it's fair to say they were frauds. What the they Packers, showed, you mean? Yes, yes. Yes, okay. Going to, into week two, after what they and Minnesota did in week one against one another, I don't mm-hmm. feel good because both of them looked pretty decent. The, the Vikings didn't look great, actually. The I Vikings think. did not look good. No, yeah. the score is a little bit deceiving there. Um, but it's the fourth, it's halfway through the fourth quarter, and Kirk Cousins is like nine of 11 with like 50 <laughs> yards. I'm like, what happened? I don't know but again if Did we... they have 10 seconds of time of possession what happened if we start the season 0-2 you never want to do that especially if you start the season 0-2 in the division as well as just overall yeah even worse right. you gotta go into the bye week with a winning record at this point if you don't i don't have hope for the season you expect to them to rattle off three in a row do uh, no, we have four more games. No, that's not right. Is it week five or week six that our bye week is? It's week five, isn't it? I'm trying to pull up our schedule. So we play the Packers, the Cardinals. Yep, Cardinals. Oh, and then the Saints. Yeah, and then it's bye yeah. week. Okay. So you expect them no, no, no. to beat. Okay. So no, two because I was thinking the, that our game the against floor. the I was thinking Jaguars then bye week. 
So I, I just gotcha. had the schedule off. Um, yeah, I mean, you you got to be two and two going into the bye week. Yeah, it's, gotcha. So or three and one, but two and two is like bare minimum. So um, let's wrap this up here very quickly, Matthew. Give me a, a TLDR this time uh, on what you think. Give me a final score prediction for the. Let me give you mine first. I'm gonna go thirty four twenty Green Bay. What is a TLDR? Too long, didn't read. Oh. So you just want the score? I'm yes. <laughs> probably going to pick the Lions every week. I'm going to just be positive, so just FYI. Okay, don't be put surprised. it out there. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Just be prepared that I'm always going to give my, like, the Lions are going to win this week. Sure. Which I will say, remember last week I said that defenses always struggle? in situations like this where they didn't have time to prepare the most yes. touchdowns in week one in NFL history. It goes 89. Oh, wow. Most touchdowns. That's an interesting, off- that's yep. an interesting stat. Mm-hmm. Most offensive touchdowns. In- is it, is it more interesting than this, than this? The nuggets were minus 38 through the first four games. Uh, Pretty interesting, right? I guess, but I they were down three to one. Exactly, and they won. So it's not interesting. That's just, well, like, I'm it, saying, it explains partially so bad. Why. All right, fine. I mean, Anyways, it's just, it's I just asked, like, it makes sense. It's not interesting, it just makes sense. I you to give me a score. Yeah, we went on a little And you tangent. said, so let me give you this quick. <laughs> I want, give me two numbers, and there's a dash in the middle. And then your winner, which is the Lions. I'm going to go 29-26 Lions. Weird scores, but yeah. That's a weird score. Well, we just saw 26, or no, we didn't see 26. We could have seen it if Prater banged that one home. Um, All right. I would ask you for closing thoughts. I think you just spent about the last 15 minutes giving me your closing thoughts. That's just going to be every week. I, I I reckon as much. We covered the Lions today. We covered the Pistons today. We covered the Tigers today. I think it was probably a pretty full episode. So I will ask you very quickly, do you have anything else that you would like to add on if we missed anything? I believe the NHL draft is 20 days away, if I saw that correctly mm. today. Um, so once we get closer to that, we'll touch on the Red Wings. But as I mean, there's nothing to talk about right so, now. So uh, right now it's Dallas and then Tampa is up 3-1, correct? 3-2. Three 3-2. to, two. Three to I two. Believe, yep, the, the Islanders, Islanders are just... coming back. Yeah, they just won gotcha. last night, I believe. Um, I don't gotcha. remember which night they played, but yeah, Islanders just won. So forcing the game. Yeah, if, if the Stars are in a Stanley Cup, I don't think I've ever had less interest to watch. That's bananas to me. That's insane. Who cares? Uh, if, if Mike Tam- Madonna was there, I'd care. But If Tampa moves on, though, that's... Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a surprise would, because Tampa's unbelievable right now, but... Yeah, shout out to Steve Eiserman. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, if you made it this far into the episode, genuinely thank you very, very much. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate five stars and subscribe. Thank you very, very much for listening. We will catch you guys in the next one. Shoot.